What's up, everybody? Welcome to Crypto with Coop. I'm Coop, and this is the spot for fun, informative conversations with influential people in the crypto space. And today, I've got an incredible one for you. I'm talking to Lee Parsons. Lee is the founder and CEO of Opulus Music. Opulus is built on the Algorand blockchain, and they are connecting fans and musicians in a brand new way. They're using MFTs, music NFTs, and that's an opportunity for fans to invest in the royalties of their favorite musicians, or even just a musician that they believe in on some level. You know what I mean? They're also creating a DeFi platform that will enable musicians to get funding using their future royalties. It's all very exciting, folks. We talk about the O-Vault, which is gonna be a vault of music copyrights and royalties that um, you can you can invest in. Get the O-Vault token, stake, and get a steady return. Folks, it's an exciting conversation. Opulus is an exciting platform, and I loved talking to Lee. We even dive into some of the drama, some of the Twitter beef that goes on a little bit in the Algorand ecosystem. And Lee is not shy about telling you how he feels. I felt like I got to know him a little bit and made friends. So folks, <laughs> check it out. All right, so without further ado, here is my conversation with Lee Parsons. How you doing, Lee? I'm all right, mate. Good to uh, good to chat again. Always enjoy it. So uh, I'm ready. Yeah. Ready for trouble. I told you. I'm You're ready. To... On the old, yeah, you uh, locked and loaded here. The, gro the groaning machine is ready, mate. So uh, the groaning machine. I got a uh, I got an ice cold. Uh, you know, a, a, a swimming pool of beer. I got a swimming pool of beer. Now, but if for for anybody that's out there that knows, this is Klaus Sailor. So if you know what Klaus Sailor is, then you know. But it doesn't matter. Cheers. All right, salute, bro. Yeah, salute. So, all right, I, I feel like most of my audience is pretty well-versed in um, knowing you, but I don't like to assume that. So maybe we should go back. Like, I feel like first, before we go back and you start talking, you know, you have like, uh, you're one of the more compelling people in the Algorand ec ecosystem. It's a nice we, word I, for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's true. Like, you know, I, I kind of think of you like uh, some of these sports guys that I love, like they're on, if they're on your team, like you love them. And then yes. um, if he's not on your team, maybe yeah. you love to hate him a little bit. Does that, does that track a little bit? Yeah, that, that, that sounds pretty familiar. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, and you know, obviously the Opulous people and, um, and supporters are on your team, but by the way, on Algorand, we're all on the same team. So I think we should yeah, try to sure. kind of, you know what I mean? So the, all yeah, the infighting. And we've got loads, huge amount of, of great Algorand supporters, man, as well. And they've been oh, sure. really incremental to our success. So, you know, we are, I'm happy to have them all there. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then, um, all right, well, we'll get into all of that. So why don't you just kind of give me a, a quick rundown of like how, how you got to the music industry possibly, or even how you were raised to kind of, you know, influence how, who you are today, how you ended up creating Ditto, and then what made you land on Opulus? Yeah, for sure. So me and my brother come from a place called Birmingham in England, which is a really, I don't know if you've seen Peaky Blinders ever. Mm -hmm. Is that, that, that town's why I sound funny. Um, we came from a very, very modest background from like what was the, your, our version of the housing projects in, in America. So we never really had much money. We always wanted to kind of do, do something good. And when you're kind of from that background, I think the only two choices you seem to see are football or music. So mm -hmm. we tried music. Um, we both started a band when we were like probably 16, 17. We spent 
a long time in the band. We eventually got a record deal. And at that point, it was, you know, this, this is amazing. You know, we thought we were going to go really far. And then we were on that record label and all that stuff happened for probably two years. We didn't release anything. And then the day we were finally supposed to get a single come out, we got just, a, a, I can't remember what it was, an email or something saying we'd been dropped by the label and it wasn't coming out. And I never got a phone call again off anybody. So, so that was like that harsh reality. Me and my brother were both window cleaning the whole time we had a record deal, which is pretty disparaging because when you're, when you're telling your friends you're on a record label and you're cleaning their windows, the truth is very hard to come <laughs> from. It's like, really? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, sure you do. Yeah, sure. You got a record label with who? Yeah. Just give me the three pounds and shut up. So, <laughs> yeah. so we did that. And then I did something we like, man, we'll, we'll self-release our own music because we built up a decent fan base. We've been, you know, we've been doing shows and we've been trying to, you know, build our products. And we thought, man, I can't just have a song that I've spent so long and it not go out. Yeah. So we thought, well, well, we'll just put the music out. So I went down to my local record store, which was HMD in Birmingham, and it was Christmas and it was absolutely packed at Christmas because they had to like this, our version of what the X Factor is song come out and everyone was scrambling in. And I remember shouting at this woman like to try and get her attention. I was, and I was like, can I can I put my CD in your shop? And she pretty much just burst out laughing at me and just kind of pointed around and goes, look, you know, you're not going to get in here. All these people are buying things. You know, what, what, what label are you from? So I was like, well, I don't really have a record label. And it became clear then. And the funny thing about that story is I tried to buy HMV about three years ago. Not many people know that. And I was going to turn it into coffee shops. That was my plan because I'm still oh. annoyed about that situation yeah. um, because <laughs> that's actually, amazing. You were like, they're struggling because record stores are uh, struggling. Well, they, you're like, I'll buy them. To- they went into insolvency and they were up for bid from a few people. And me and my brother were like, man, I'd just love to turn them all into coffee shops and just find that person. But anyway, I did it in the end because you shouldn't start businesses out of revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Who talked you out of that? But anyway, was, so was it was it you that talked you out of it or was it nah, somebody else that talked you out of it? I can't remember who bought it in the end, but it was all okay. it was all kind of sewn up pretty fast. So anyway, so me and brother were still window cleaning. We still, I mean, like I said, you've got to you've got to understand this. This is not an easy situation to be in, man. I mean, even 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 getting a record deal was one of the hardest things I ever did. You know, getting to that point, or even just getting out of the situation that we were in at you know at home and the, the area that we were in was really difficult. And then we went back home and we were like, well, let's put our music out. HMV didn't have it. And we were like, okay, well, I can't see CDs being around anyway in a few months' time because most of my friends are like buying stuff on Apple. Spotify had pretty much just come out, right? And no one was using it. And there was a store called Whip It who were like, they were the only, basically me and Matt released our own single. We got to like number 72 in the charts or something because we just bought them all ourselves. And I had this, this scheme with these SIM cards. It's really, I don't know if you want to go into it now. You can always edit this, but... No. So what, what we did, right, a sale from a mobile phone counted as one chart point. So me and Matt were looking on eBay. We found out that you could spend, I think it was £3 on a £5 SIM card, right? Off that £5 SIM card, a song cost £1.50. So we could buy three singles off a £5 SIM card for £3. And off that £3, we got £1 back for every single that we sold. So we actually broke exactly even on every on every song that we bought so in oh. 2000 or whatever it was seven it was literally me my brother and my mom sitting in our house our little council house in birmingham with these big boxes of sim cards <laughs> i just remember everyone at the time was like lee you're always calling me on like 10 different mobile numbers and i was like yeah because i was just you know using them as well it was an absolute mess and then me but you and were getting did, your numbers up i was getting my numbers up I and mean, we got to number yeah. 72 and no one really cared. So that was the end of that. And we, but, but at that point, 
we kind of worked out that there was a massive gap here because I can't release a song. I've got a bunch of fans who want to buy my song and the shop is telling me I can't put it in a shop for that person to buy a song. That is absolute madness, right? But this is what the yeah. music industry was. If you can't get into a shop, you can't get on radio. And if you can't get on radio, you can't get in the charts. So 0.1% of all the artists was getting signed. They were all getting ripped off and losing their money anyway. And there's yeah. millions and millions of artists all over the world that can't put a song out. And they're just used to, at the time, making a demo, sending it to a label, hoping they get signed. So we're thinking, well, why don't we just start a business where we charge people some money and then we'll go and do all that work for them. We'll get them in a shop or on an online store. And that was a whole business. And we were like, well, maybe we can earn 50 pounds every week and we can keep going to the studio. That was my plan. And I had a whole plan written out and I was gonna try and make 5,000 pounds over the next six months from doing whatever it was, you know, 100,000, 100 releases. And then, we started doing it, we set a business up. We were called, we called Ditto, Ditto Music, and I've told this story a lot of times, but the reason we were called Ditto was because my brother had a computer company, and I say computer company, it was just basically him on his phone, and he used to give out leaflets to people to come and, to come and fix their computer, and I was working with him doing that. We had a phone, his, his computer company was called Ditto, and it was something horrific, like it, international technology, it was just awful. This, oh, and it was just basically acronym. him in our little flat with me on a phone. So when we started, I, I was doing bouncy castles because I saved all my money up from doing the window cleaning, bought a bouncy castle. That was called Ditto Bouncy Castles. Because Wait, well, hold on. When, bouncy castles meaning like you would go to kids' parties and set it up for them? Yeah, like that, yeah. that was, yeah, exactly. So we got it. <laughs> mate, I've got horror stories about that. I mean, me and my brother would, would it was awful, man. But it was it still, you know, I look back in these days with such fondness now because at the time it was it was all or nothing all the time, right? So we were only doing this to get to our to our end goal was, which is the most important thing. Once I had a goal, I didn't yeah. care what I was doing in between. I didn't care if I had to go and window clean because I knew what the end goal was. And that's the most important thing. That's the first step, right? And when you're running anything, you have to make sure what that goal is. And I say this yeah. all the time. One of the biggest things you have, you can set a goal. Say, but everything you do, every decision you make has to move you towards that goal. Because if it's moving, moving away from that goal, that's just as bad as not trying at all. So say, you know, say you, you're living in LA and you wanted to start a business um, as a country music singer and you, you move to Nashville, that takes you here. You go to Nashville and you're working 20 hours a day in an office. That just takes you back to the start anyway. But if you make sure every decision you make is focused on the end goal, I promise you, you know, anyone listening this, you're going to make it over, over a 10-year period. So... Mm-hmm. That's why I was doing bouncy castles because it actually gave me more time in the week. I was just working Saturdays and Sundays doing that. I get up in the morning yeah. sometimes to do window cleaning from like seven till 10. But the bouncy castles were <clears throat> called Ditto Bouncy Castles because we had one phone line. My brother was Ditto computing. When someone phoned up, we'd have to say, hello, Ditto. Oh, and then I'd have to work out if they wanted a bouncy castle or a computer. <laughs> and it was literally like this, Rage. We had, we, had, we had a bunch of different, we had a leaflet with computers on the back and bouncy castles on, on the other side with two different phone numbers leading to the same thing. And it was yeah. only us working there. And it was like, okay, I'll send, I'll send someone out for you, madam, soon. And then it would be me going out and pretending I had a different name. So when we started oh, Ditto, God. And this is literally right at the bottom. I said, man, we, li- we lived in a really small, a small council flat. We barely had enough money for electricity. And I know everyone talks about their startup journeys, but I'm, I'm telling you, you know, it's a bad town. The flat upstairs was basically 20 people doing heroin most of the day. And then most of the night was just loud, horrible music. There was nights when, you know, this, anyway, some stuff happened. <laughs> it, was, it was bad times, man. <laughs> You're like, there, yeah, like murders it and stuff. Was, did you, um, did you, how old were you at this time? I think I was like 23, 24, something like that. So I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, been, I'd been in a band for, since I'd left school, right? And that would all, we spent a long time doing that. That was, 
I was going to ask that I'll finish just before you continue. I want you to continue. Sorry to interrupt, but I think that I, I think people want to know. I want to know what was the name of the band and what was your role oh, yeah. in the band. You won't, you won't find this man, and I'll never say because it's it's. I get enough abuse online. I don't need any more. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're, so you were you've successfully scrubbed this from the internet. Well, yeah, it was kind of just just because we didn't release anything, and it was just kind of when YouTube was getting massive. It didn't, I didn't really, I didn't make any videos, and I somehow got away okay. with it. And there's several other things I got away with too that are probably online somewhere. So, so, I'm, so not bad, nothing bad. I know. Okay, okay. Nothing, anyway, nothing to so, get you canceled. But were you the singer? I need to know. Were you the singer? Yeah, I was, I was singing. I was singing and giving the gift of rap to the audience. Oh, okay. In, um, so there you go. Yeah, it, it, just sharing my gift. <laughs> so anyway, so okay. so. We, so when we start, we started Ditto. My plan was like, I'm going to charge people to release music. We got a contract with Spotify really quickly because I knew the people that were setting Spotify up because I had this. There was this other company called Whip It, who were the only person would take our single, and the person from that was literally one of the investors in Spotify. And Spotify had about a thousand users. It was crazy. I literally, had, I remember having the email from Spotify saying, "Hi, this is the guys from Whip It. We set this new thing up. Would you mind passing the email out to your friends?" And I got my mom set an account. So my mom was like one of the first thousand people on Spotify, which she'll tell you over and over again if you ever meet her. So she loves it. <laughs> so we started so, so that. And then and then you think, okay, well, we've cracked it, right? We've got a new system for delivering music digitally online. Everyone else is doing CDs. This is gonna be yeah. massive. And it is massive now. But it's not what happened because at the time I was sitting there contacting bands on MySpace. Everyone thought, well, this is a scam. Why would I want music on Spotify? They're not paying. Why would I want music on iTunes? CDs of the future. So we went back to one of the bands that we, um, that we were working with before that we knew. And we said, look, no one's taking this seriously. What we want to do is try and get a band in the top 40. Now, a lot of independent bands get in the top 40 at the moment. But back then, you hadn't seen an, I don't think you'd ever seen an unsigned artist in the top 40. So we got this band called Cooper, who are now in the Guinness Book Bickle Royal Records as being the first unsigned band in the top 40, the first ever digital band, digital single in the top 40. Mm -hmm. We used our SIM card trick again. <laughs> That's amazing. We used, SIM, we used everything we could, man. Yeah. We used everything we could. And, and so, so 12 months after we released our own single, we'd, I think we had... Cooper had been out. They got all their fan base to buy as much as they could, but we were obviously, you know, cheating a lot and, and getting all these singles into the charts. Uh -huh. it, was a, it was a Monday morning on the second week of January. Now, we released it on the second week of January because it was always the quietest week. Most of the charts company who worked there were on holiday still. No one was uh -huh. putting any singles out. So if you ever had a chance of getting the top 40, this was your week. So we from three weeks, right, we put it on pre-sale, which means people can buy the song before it's out, but it will still register towards the first week, which you could do on the SIM cards, which is brilliant because it gave us three months to go and do all this Just stuff. I hope they can't cancel your Guinness Book of World Record years later. <laughs> Whatever. But that would, yeah, it's like like baseball players and steroids, like they're going to take it away from you. Yeah. Oh, but so, so we did all this, and, and on the Monday morning of that week, it was 8 a.m., or 8.30 a.m., it was before 9 o'clock, and no one ever phoned you in the morning for good news, right? It's always something bad, or a bouncy castle, which is what I was expecting. And I remember coming <laughs> out of bed, and then I, I hear a click, I come, hello, is this, um, is this Dito music? And I'm like, all right, well, it's not a bouncy castle at least. So, and then she's like, um, are you the people that are responsible for this Cooper release, like the song? And I'm like, man, we're in so much trouble here, because uh -huh. like, I wonder, I'm thinking, I wonder if this is actually illegal, because it's fraud. And then I was like, 
And, and, I, and I'm like, well, it, yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, what, 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 what's up? And she goes, oh, you guys are at number 12 in the charts. Oh, shit. Number 12. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> wow. So, so after all that, man, of starting to, we had, and we only had that one customer. We had yeah. him and the guy, Scott Kerr, who I was tweeting about the other day, who was like a, a guy in Scotland who was like in his 50s and 60s, who just got the whole thing straight away and was the first person to release digital music and still... Like I said, he's still one of my close friends, man. We brought him to an award show last year and he, he caused absolute havoc. It was brilliant. Awesome. Um, so, so after all that, it was like, man. And then that got in the top 40. It was the first ever digital top 40 single. And then suddenly all the media and all the world seemed to be all over us. Like the, the BBC came around to our house and we're doing like a, man, it was so funny. I've told this story before that the guy was like, he held, I can't remember what it was. It wasn't, what was it? It was like a, it was like a, but anyway, they obviously didn't know anything about digital music. They were all putting these stories out. They all thought the band had gotten the top 40 through, you know, digital music. And we were like, suddenly the only company doing it. So over the next like three years, we had 11 top 40 singles the first year with unsigned artists. Some of them weren't even cheats. Some of them would legit. Would say, yeah, you got tired. You couldn't do this in part thing anymore. Yeah. Were worn out after those few months. <laughs> and um, so from that point, data music became a thing. And we were the first people that started putting people onto digital stores instead of instead of going the record record label. So that's how I kind of came into music. And at that point, you know, 2011, we start we worked with people like Ed Sheeran. Sam Smith mm-hmm. put his first album out with us, and we were working with wow. his team for a long time. And all these loads, so many people, man, that are massive stars now that we kind of. You know, we worked with early days and they, they really weren't that big. And it was, I, I never, I never thought Ed Sheeran would get as big as he was. But what I will say about him is he's just, he always had an amazing energy for everyone. And he, he's, he worked his socks off and he did 300 shows a year the, when we met wow. him, he was unsigned. And he still does that, I think. And that's why, you know, work ethic is so important and keeping a good, you know, energy for other people is important because he has that. Um, and then Ditto now has, you know, I don't know, 750,000 users from where we did. It's a subscription service that puts music on iTunes and Apple. We have a management company. We manage some of the biggest um, artists in Europe. There's a guy called Nathan Dorr, who's in the top 10 in England at the moment, who manage um, publishing. It was a huge entity, right? And then obviously about five years ago, I started getting into crypto because I was traveling a lot with Ditto and I was setting all different offices up. And then I just started having really good conversations all over the world with different people who were doing different things. And I met a guy who was a producer and he was telling me about Bitcoin and, you know, we just sat there and drank about three cases of beer this one day. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, I'll go home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I literally home. Maybe the next by day, Bitcoin, yeah. Half drunk, half hung over and just, like, I'm sure I told this only story before, I went to the bank and tried to take all my money out and they wouldn't give it me. But then eventually I, I took most of my net worth out and just put it all into, into crypto in what would have been about 2016, 2017. And then... And then I started studying it and working in it, man. And because as soon as you kind of realize that this isn't going to go away and it's not going to, this is only going to excel technology because mm-hmm. all good technology comes from community, right? Community always moves faster than technology. Community, eBay's a community of people selling stuff in their garage. Facebook is a community of people. You can't go and, you can't go and give technology to people. People have to give something to technology, right? And I think right. what Bitcoin and all these things you could see was, man, this is a massive community of people. And I know they haven't sorted the answer out to what it is, but this community is just going to grow and grow and they're going to dictate where we're all going eventually. And I want to be involved in that. So, so then, you know, I sat around trying to, trying to solve the different problems in the music industry. Um, I knew Al Grand through um, Miles. I mean, man, even raise, I was raising money in what, 
some the wind 20 January 2018 when the whole market crashed. And mm-hmm. I had this massive company ditto, and I was still do meetings with people and they'd literally be like, oh, hello, Lee, is this about Ditto? And I'd be like, no, it's about Opus. And they'd just hang up. I'm not joking, people would hang up. I went to China for what was supposed to be an investment meeting. A guy just came out and shouted at me for 20 minutes from another, I'll tell you who the blockchain was afterwards. And I had that for for two years, man. And that was probably the most demoralizing years I'd had since about 2008 because no one was invested in the market. No one wanted to listen to anything I was saying because I thought, they could invest in Ditto because Ditto does. I'm the only person that owns Ditto, and people are always trying to invest in. No one wanted to listen. And then I met Miles, was one of the last people that I met through another contact of mine. And I like I must have had 300 meetings in a few, in a couple of months. Miles is the last guy I met, and he was one of the first investors in Algorand, and he was part of Cosmos Capital that helped Algorand put the round together when they were doing it. So they were mm-hmm. very familiar with the blockchain space. They really liked the idea, and they actually listened to what I was saying about stuff. They didn't know much about music, but they got involved really quickly. Miles, Miles and me, you know, we hit it off. He's brilliant at what he does, which is on the VC side. Um, and he became like my co-founder, and then we sat around. And then the market all changed, and then suddenly it became really easy to raise money, and everyone, you know, understood everything but because i've been working for so long beforehand i was pretty yeah. prepared and that's why i think opulence had such a good launch right and um yeah and there i am i, I don't know how that story ranks on the top 10 that's good <laughs> i mean are you kidding me <laughs> if you would maybe spit a couple bars in the middle of it yeah i know fun, but it, no. <laughs> you know, like that's not happening not, not yeah. cleaning any windows either no 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 windows yet yeah no it's good you, you've was, moved on so okay so you're so you're there your bitcoin gets on your radar you try to withdraw all your money the bank gets in the way like they like to do and then you eventually invest in bitcoin and then you're you have this idea right you're so now you're like okay this is this is the future and you have this idea of all right like people should be able what if fans could invest in um the music that they love and earn some of the royalties, right? That's the original, is that the original yeah. idea of Opulus or is it the, yeah, the peer-to-peer? Def- no, it might, that was originally the idea. I mean, originally in 2017, you're thinking like, well, tokens would be the big thing, but I never really could understand that because it's like, okay, I'm buying an Ed Sheeran token, but what does that get me? Because everyone yeah. in 2017 was like, you know, musicians have their own tokens and you'll buy one early on. But I'm like, yeah, but how does the asset appreciate in value? You've just got a token. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge, huge Warren Buffett fan, man. I read pretty much everything he ever does. And, you know, he only invests in businesses that have an asset. That I mean, that's why Warren doesn't like Bitcoin. And I understand it because he doesn't, you know, you, you probably could make a lot of money in Bitcoin, but he's the richest investor ever. And he yeah. likes things that give him a long-term great investment. And he invests in businesses, not, you know, he doesn't speculate. And that's why he's not into Bitcoin. So you can forgive him for that one. But that's what I couldn't understand in the crypto space. It was like, there's a lot of people saying they'll do stuff. No one's doing it. There's no mm-hmm. assets in tokens. So we always had the vision of being able to buy a fracture of something and then trade it because the biggest problem in the music industry is finances and getting finances. But then also that things like copyrights and music copyrights are so hard to buy and the normal person can't buy them. And all of the banks at the moment are buying music copyrights because the yield on them is like 10% plus. And then you own that copyright, so you can sell it in 10 years. It usually goes up in value, and you're getting 10% interest every year. It's a lot better than the housing market. And it's like, yeah. well, man, this is one of the biggest you know, store of values that, that's, that's happening in the market, but no one's allowed access to it. And then on the other hand, artists that I know are going and signing away their copyrights for nothing, and then the labels are just sitting on doing nothing. So that was a problem we always faced. And I think 
people with the when NFTs came out, it was good because it shifted attention away from tokens and fan tokens and all this stuff, which is still very speculative. And it kind of it gave us a better narrative for people to understand what we were doing, which is yeah. building an asset to someone's music that is easily fractionable and tradable and is available to any person, not just, you know, someone who's buying a lump sum. Yeah. And I've heard you say it before, you know, something like uh, a music, uh, you know, royalties. That's a like you said, a commodity that even in a bear market is going to provide yield. People are going to continue to listen to music. I mean, that's just what happens. Right. So it's kind of bulletproof. So many people have it wrong. You'll see these blogs, right, come out. and They're like, oh, I had three million streams on Spotify and I earned three pence. Like, that isn't true. What happens is the record label earns about $5,000 for every million streams, which is mm-hmm. that's just on Spotify. So if you have an artist, you know, like Drake, who's earning, you know, just more. I mean, you don't have to be Drake level. I, own, I run Ditto, right? All these plats you see are from people who aren't, don't have record deals and have probably made a million dollars just Whoa. from music just from having music. And there's thousands and thousands of those because they now don't have to sign a deal. They own their copyrights. Mm-hmm. Um, and the money in the music industry is huge. Um, yeah. Get where we were going with the question, but it's a good point yeah. to make. Yeah, and well, and then one of the original complaints of Apple Music and Spotify and all that is that the artists are, they've lost um, a huge a revenue stream because a stream is paid, you get paid yeah, so little. True. It's not true. It's not true. Yeah. Problem, just need, there's a... There's a group in England, I'll call them out again, called Broken Record. And what it is, is a bunch of people that haven't made any money in music for 30 years for anything that are saying, well, we should get a pound a stream for our music. And look, no one's listening to your music. And that that may be your fault. It's not your fault. The music people are listening to right now is rap is massive. Dance is massive. And that's just the way those genres are going. It, go, it comes in and out every 10 years. But yeah. I know kids who do rap music in England who are millionaires just from Spotify, you know, from a couple of songs. If you're if you're someone from the '90s who's doing music that people aren't listening to as much, of course your streams are going to be lower. But that doesn't mean the whole pop doesn't work. And you know, Spotify should pay more money out, but you've also got to balance it economically and work out how they're then going to make profit. Because just because their share price goes up, that doesn't mean the company has more money. They can't just go and sell shares. And those are the economics that people also don't talk about. The arguments are always wrong on those things, always because what they never do is go and speak to the kids that I work with. Who are you know who bought their mum's houses and and are buying stuff for themselves and are, you know still teenagers a lot of them and they've made a lot of money from streaming and if they had a record deal they wouldn't have made anything because all the people you see from the 90s or the early thousands that had record deals don't have anything now because they didn't own anything and they don't get mm-hmm. paid residually all these kids will get paid forever off their off their music so it's a great time man. Have you have you noticed um, the industry at large moving towards the direction that you've been pulling it towards? Uh, you know, since what two thousand and six? When did Ditto start again? Yeah, about two thousand and seven, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you know what? It's really weird, right? And I was saying this about Oculus. I had one customer at Ditto for a year, and I created what was a revolutionary product. And I'm not just saying that because I created I created something accidentally that now is the staple of what music does. It's 50% of the market now is independent. So 50% of the market yeah. pays someone like me to put their music on Spotify or Apple without a record label. 50%, billions of dollars of revenue. So what we did did change the whole system for everybody. But it took however many years, 15 years for that to happen. Because yeah. no one's interested. Even Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers, they've all tried to buy me, right? But they didn't start even... Warner Brothers in 2017, one of my, one of someone from my company went to work for, work for Warner Brothers, and he was saying that every day they would just go into this little room, they'd bring my website up on, on the screen, and they just copied the whole website, all the data music website, and they launched their own version of what we did. No one signed up because they didn't really have any 
idea of what they're actually offering to people. But that took them yeah. 10 years to even get to that stage. And then they just tried to buy us like everyone else does. But the music industry is very slow to adopt, to, to adopt things because what you have is the people that are making a lot of money right now in streaming, in good jobs, who really don't care about 10 years' time. Why would you if you're making yeah. a million a year? And, every, and I mean, labels are making between one to two million an hour from streaming, an hour. So that you can't, and you're just printing money. There's no cost yeah. for that. Streaming, you're not even making CDs. So they really don't care about the future. But what I'm saying is what I'm building now is a, is a block for everything else that's going to happen over the next 10 years, which is why, again, when you're investing, this is what you have to look for. You're not, are you speculating on a stock? Are you looking at a price every day? Because that's not how you're supposed to invest. You're supposed to buy into a business. You're buying part yeah. of a business that you believe is going to increase in value. And I think that's what, you know, Optus will do, the same as Ditto did. Absolutely. And so, okay, so we, you get started in Algren, you're one of the original projects. You're, I mean, you're certainly oh, yeah. one of the most, one of the most exciting original projects. And um, so that happens, what, that's probably early last year, um, late, yeah. And I think it was nearly two years ago now, I reckon. I think it was around, maybe two, it was around September we started talking to them. We were on it. I don't remember them having any other projects when we signed up with, when we, when we first got funding. It, was, it took three months. There wasn't really much going on. And I remember everyone at the time, why you guys building an Algorand, every funding meeting I have, every VC meeting, and every KOL meeting I had from, you know, a YouTuber or someone else, why are you guys an Algorand? Why don't you build an Ethereum? But I don't get that anymore, which is yeah. good. No, it's kind that of like, they kind of, they, and, and the same thing, right? You know, Algorand had a plan, had a two-year, 10-year plan, and they are now getting to where they, they, they knew they were going to get to. So all the noise in between really doesn't matter. Well, I think, by the way, personally, like I think it's underappreciated guys like you that were there in the beginning getting all this heat. Like, why don't you just do it on Ethereum, bro? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, and man, it's like it. you stood there and you're like, I'm going to do it. OK, fine. I think Apple's on Binance, right? Is it? It's well, a couple no, different have, places. We have a we have a I mean, this is the thing, right? So when we launched, we launched on an ERC20 token and I got flat from Algorand for it as well. And I got flat from everybody. But it was like, look. I guarantee, I mean, we've created like 30, 35,000 Algorand wallets, right? So yeah. I said, like, I guarantee to, to know where I want to get to, which is to be on the tier one exchanges and to get as much volume as I want for the Algorand token, I have to do this right now. And everyone was, you know, shouting at us, laying into us, and we had to ignore that. We launched an ERC20 token, but you'll notice now to get your VC tokens back, it has to be an ASA token. So most all the volume that's coming back is ASA volume. The RC20 tokens mostly been faded out, but I needed to do that in the first process because mm -hmm. you know Huobi sites like that didn't have ASA. You know Kuna, uh, yeah. KuCoin didn't have ASA, and it would have been impossible to get on those exchanges. So I could have come out as an ASA only product and and not done much, or you know I could have used that stepping stone to get to the point we are now, which is a much higher place. And now, as I said, if you claim any tokens now, they're all, you'll notice they're all ASA. All the funding that's going into exchanges is for ASA because, you know, they, they were the first investor, man. And I'm, I'm a very loyal person, so I will always be very grateful to those guys and here to push Algorand however much I can, which, like you said, I was doing at the beginning when no one really wanted to listen at all. But yeah. not the community, I mean, other communities, but they're now seeing Algorand with all these products come out. And it's like, okay, I understand. And I'm, um, you know, I pay attention. I'm in on the different places, Discord, and uh, sometimes we'll go on Reddit. And I'm seeing people yeah. be like, uh, well, how did you get to Algrand? Oh, I wanted to buy Apple, you know? So, or, uh, yeah, so you know, exactly, I'm seeing. Exactly. And said, yeah. yeah, and you've got to think, we did an IEO with Dowmaker. They didn't know anything about Algrand. And that was like, you know, thousands of thousands of wallets from mm -hmm. Dowmaker that now get now got ASA tokens and now have an Algrand wallet. So really... You know, if we'd have just launched an ASA, we wouldn't have had the, the amount of ASA wallets that we have. So, you know, I'm, I'm still glad it worked out. Yeah.
And we're obviously going to we're going to dive into the roadmap and all the different things that are coming um, along with the MFTs and those early days. Another aspect of it, which is still coming, I think, is the um, the DeFi, the loan aspect, yeah. getting these musicians funded <laughs> competitive rates, peer to peer loans. So maybe describe a little bit about what you're doing with that. So what the Oculus ecosystem does, there's a pool in the middle with all the money in. Artists can come in and take a loan out of it. And that's backed by their music copyright. If they don't pay the loan then the music copyright gets transferred to Oculus just while it's paying the loan off. And then that will pay the loan off for them. And then it goes back to them. So they can't lose their copyrights, but it's a hundred percent guaranteed way that they will, that we know the loan will get paid off. And on the other side, the interest that they pay is then given to people who are staking into the pool, whatever that is, you know, around 10%. So again, like the Oval, and it all uses the same system as the Oval. It all uses the same token system. That's why what we're building, when we roll all these products out, it's going to be very quick because the system that we built for Oval is the same for the artist loans, and it's also the same for the MRT launches. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's it really. You've got a whole pool in the middle, and people can borrow and borrow and lend each other money, and then it's just like a really, really safe version of what a stablecoin could be. Cool. Now this is the this is um, now that's what the Ovault is, but we were um, talking about the loans for the like the no, yeah, that's the, that, no, that's the loans, right? That's it's oh, the same, yeah. same system. Same because, got it. Like I said, what happens is if someone wants to borrow 20K, they borrow the 20K, their copyright pays it off every month for them, and that money goes back into the pool. So it's pretty much the same system. The copyrights, yeah, I mean, that's why that's why, that's why I said that's why it's been so important over the last six months to redesign what we're doing and create yeah. a really good blueprint for all these products coming out. Yeah. Okay. We're going to do that. But before we do that, you, you know, you had mentioned um, a couple moments ago about how you're a very loyal person. And um, I kind of joked in um, the beginning of this about how, like, you know, you're, if you're on the, if you're on Lee's team, you love Lee. Maybe <laughs> if you're not on Lee's team, you love to hate Lee, you know, and we see a lot of stuff going on on Twitter and uh, oh, this is the time. Yes, <laughs> this now it's fine. When right? I, he started. He okay. sees where I'm going. He sees where I'm going. Everybody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is the time for the Negroni. Amazing. So, all right. First, my first question for you is, um, how how do you think Yieldly's doing? That's just my first question. <laughs> do you have any thoughts on Yieldly? Um. Look, I know I know from what I've seen online, there's actually some decent people working at Yieldly, right? And I never really had a problem with Yieldly. If you remember back to when they started, I came on your show and you were saying which coins you like, and I was always like, you know, Yieldly are great, this and this and this. Yeah. My problem was when um, when we launched our token, Miles was having a baby, right? He, he found out it, like it was some over those two weeks. He was all over the place. He was a bit. It was a bit of a mess, to be honest. Miles was, and he made some very bad decisions. And what we wanted, we wanted somewhere we could stake the Oculus tokens. So because we didn't have any staking mechanisms, and if you remember, there wasn't any. Like now, you know, you can stake Oculus on about six or seven places. Yeah. So, yeah. Woof. <laughs> Wait, man, doesn't know. Here we go. So. <laughs> Um, so now this, there was nowhere to stake it, right? So we, we spoke to Yieldly, and my version, my my thinking of what was supposed to happen was that they would be able to stake Oculus and get Oculus token, right? And that's what I that's what I needed. So that's what I wanted to happen. Then mm-hmm. a couple of days before, Miles signed the contract, right, for me, and he hadn't read it properly, which I understand, right, is an, is a problem. 
But also, like I said, I'm a very loyal person. One of my best friends is, is Ali, who runs XCAD, and me and him. But anyway, I'll tell you the rest of the story. So, and then I found out about this, and I was like, guys, we're launching a token. You're giving away half a million tokens to to other to reward someone for for staking a different token. This is absolutely crazy business. Why would we do this? We want people to buy Oculus, and we want people to be rewarding Oculus. Why would we go and give Yieldly half a million tokens to give away to help them sell their token? This makes zero sense. We might as well go and do a deal with Nike and then say, can you give it away or anybody else? This makes no sense at all to do it. Um, and I said to Seb, who I'd got on one fine at well, that and point. By the way, I'm going to interrupt for a second. This is also happening when I believe op, the, the token is like at five bucks, right? Like, I mean, right? And who's got? so that's a I mean, serious amount of money. Who, yeah. who owns the most amount of Yieldly, right? Yeah. Yieldly. So you yeah. can imagine how that equation went for them. They're just, they're just printing money. So then I messaged Seb, and you know, these people have probably seen this online. I said, look, man, I'm really sorry, but I, I can't do this deal. It's going to wreck our token. And what I was expecting... As I said, if it was you or anyone else or my friend Ali or someone I work with, they'd be like, man, don't worry. I'll sort this out for you. I can understand. Or, you know, because, okay, there was a contract. I didn't know anything about the contract. I didn't sign it. But also, it doesn't matter to me. Like, the contract yeah. or no contract, most of the deals I do are just handshake deals. And it was at that point, it was like, because he was rude and he said no and he didn't say no, he was just completely rude about it. Mm-hmm. In my head, I'm like, man, these guys are not long-term guys. I can tell what's happening here. They just want to push their token up because I'm coming to you from a big project at Algorand that's working and pushing your projects as much as I can. I'm going to help you long-term. And if you help me here, you will have my back for whatever you guys do. And XCAD, by the way, Ollie, who's my best friend, and we've had these discussions. I got him millions of dollars from Jump Capital Investment, you know, because he because he needed it. And I could have helped Yildi do that. I would have helped him do anything they wanted to do. But yeah. all they really do was shift that Yuli token when it came up. And now I've had the Negroni. If you really want to research what that guy was doing, he had Power Ledger before, which, you know, would raise 20 million, never did anything. And I think whatever business Seb's running now, he's had about three cents. But what I will say is I know there are people at Yuli that are still working to try and bring a product to life. So as a company, I've got nothing against them. I've got nothing against anyone really anyway. But the problem, yeah. my problem was, and the reason it all came out online, was we'd had this discussion. I was really kind of annoyed with how they handled it. And I kept getting these tweets from Yuldi going, hey, Lee, my bro, my friend, let's do another pool. I'm like, is this guy serious? Why is he saying I'm his brother when he's just told me to F off in a thing for asking him for a favor? And it kept happening over and over again. And then I printed his, you know, what the discussion was. And then obviously all the Yuldi. What I don't understand about that (laughs) is... Everyone, everyone's against Yieldly now anyway, because because what I said at the time was publicly, I said, I don't think this company's in it for the long term, right? And I'd be careful because I can tell by the decisions they're making in business now, they're not in it for the right terms. Right terms. And what happened was they sold most of the token and a lot of the people left and they weren't in it for long term. But everyone, everyone seems to hate Yieldly, but they still hate me. So I don't get it. But they haven't recovered. <laughs> it's like I was trying to help you. Well, yeah, that's what that's... I mean. I, I doesn't, it was nothing personal against me. It was just from a business standpoint. I was just a bit concerned that these are on our ecosystem and I'm, I can see what's going to happen here. And you're talking about a year ago while Yuli was just going up and up and everyone was saying it was brilliant. I was like, guys, there's something wrong here. And what happened? It, they just sold all their tokens, released another token, sold that one, went to someone else, doing another thing, selling tokens oh, yeah. there. Yeah. It's a bit of a mess, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. But I'm still, there's still, there's, 
I, I stay, anyway, so anyway, so yeah. I mean, I, I had I had a, like a smaller version of that where I from somebody that I really respected, like <laughs> kind of snuck in my DMs and be like, man, I think uh, like all the devs just left Yieldly. So oh, no. I well, they, left, they left ages ago, right? And that was the thing yeah. they left months ago, but they didn't tell months anyone. Months ago. Yeah. Oh, really? And so when I had heard that, I posted be like, oh, you know, I think there's trouble on Yieldly, and then man, I got a lot of. Oh, oh, really? The biggest fudster ever, man. And I'm like, look, oh, I'm just trying to. But I'm all those trying. people I hate Yieldly now. So are they? St- I don't understand. It's like well, they're, they're so obsessed with being, being not being wrong in the argument, even though they yeah. hate Yieldly now. They still, I, it's it's strange. But but that was my thing at the time. I knew from people I knew that were working that their devs had already left to start this other finance project that he's got and raise funding because they were raising funding for something else and mm-hmm. pretending. That, but, you, but anyway. I do want to yeah. talk about that stuff, but I don't want to get too negative because obviously. No, I know, I understand. But that's but that's what it was for me, man. Like I said, if you if you help me out with anything, you'll you'll be a, I'll be the best friend you've ever had. Because we're since we're talking about Twitter and you've had a couple sips, you know, like I've heard you, <laughs> I've heard you kind of be like, like what the fuck, like where is algorithm like why are you guys so damn negative on me right like uh, i'm trying to build something i'm trying to bring people in like what is your kind of overall a feeling about that kind of combative or i mean you look you're somebody that will dish it you know what i mean like maybe another ceo would just kind of ignore it and you're like no like you're gonna come at me i'm gonna come back that's that seems to be how you how you do uh isn't isn't that one of the strangest things in humanity that people will insult you and then when you insult them back they're they're absolutely outraged it's crazy now right that people kind of feel that on social media they have the right to kind of just lay into someone but they're hurt if they get that treatment back it makes no sense and i know that i can't remember how it started it probably started because of the yieldy stuff i said something about nfts once that just everyone went crazy about and all i was saying was you should have utility in your nfts yeah um and then eventually I just started blocking people who just didn't have any anything good and my life's been a lot better and I haven't really had any arguments. See, mm. and I know a lot of people have been moaning about that, but of all the people I know, right, that are successful, I'm talking about, you know, in my clique of people that kind of come, you know, from similar circumstances, someone like Ollie, they've always got a good energy, right? And they'll come into a room and they have good energy and they make you feel good. And that's part of their kind of reason they're successful because if you're running a company, you have to be. You have to wake up and be positive every day because even if it's going, not going well, if you're making a decision, you're always got to wear on the side of positivity. This is going to work. Nobody wakes up in the morning and their head just goes brilliant. Another day, let's go. It's really hard to cultivate a positive mindset, right? Mm-hmm. So, taking the time to make sure that my whole landscape of what I'm looking at is positive because you've got the other side. You've got some people who just walk into a room and complain about the room and complain to someone about whatever else it is. And eventually you're like, man, I really don't need that. I want to keep, I want to keep myself positive and I want to keep, you know, what I'm, what I'm building as stress-free as possible. And it's really hard to cultivate a good, even a social circle of people that are there and talking about positive things. And that's why, you know, me and Fernando get on so well. We, you know, we, we talk for hours every day, not just about work stuff. He's also always got good stuff to say, but then, you know, you, and then on, like I said, on the other side, you've got, I can't imagine what it's like waking up in the morning, annoyed at something, getting on a fake Twitter profile, going and spreading negative energy, and then moaning because someone someone gave it you back. So right now, I just, if anything's even close to like, it's best for me to just block it and move on. But I do miss the arguments, Cooper. Because <laughs> obviously, you know, I've worked in music for what, 
15 years, right? And I, I, got, I had the same thing in music because I'd say something and like, that's unprofessional. So it doesn't really bother me what you think. Being professional to me is running a company and making those decisions. But what I don't want to do is succeed being somebody else. I'd rather yeah. fail as myself and succeed being someone else than, than I'm not. Because I, 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 I can tell you, all these people on Twitter who, who play politician and are nice about everything, they're not nice behind closed doors. They're, the, you know, they're still, they're terrible people and they can be whatever they want, but at least with me, you know what you're getting. If you think I'm a twat, I am. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> it won't get any worse than this because, you know, like I said, I, I want to, I want to run my business by being myself. And if that means it upsets some people who don't really like me anyway, it doesn't really matter because all that happens is people that gravitate towards your honesty, you'll make, you know, better friends with people who are on the same wavelength with you. So ultimately, you know, it works out for the best. Yeah, I'm going to ask you then. So is that something that just that conviction of being yourself and not apologizing for it? Is that something that you've always had? Or is that something you kind of cultivated as you got older? Um, yeah, so I was looking, there's a guy, I'm just trying to remember what his name was. I was watching some founders interviews the other day, right? And there's this guy, Eric Schmidt, and he used to be one of the, one of the CEOs Google, of right? Google. Yeah, and he actually said in this interview, they were saying, what's your recruitment process? And he goes, well, what we do. We don't take anyone on from those lesser universities. He actually said that on camera. And I'm a guy who didn't get to go to university. I had to drop out of school very early because we didn't have any money. And I think one of the best things is I've never been indoctrined into what someone is supposed to act and feel like because <clears throat> I'm in a cutthroat environment. I went to a very tough school where, you know, every day you're kind of fighting anyway. And mm -hmm. it's like, why would it? I, I don't really know any other way anyway because that's just the way I am. I've never been to college and been, you know, I don't think it's a good thing going to college and getting taught how to act like a professional CEO. I wish more people with themselves don't you, because at least you know yeah. what you're getting. You of know, course. the amount of rubbish we have to listen to our politicians and all the other stuff. Um, but generally, me and my brother, we don't really care because at the end of the day, I go to bed and I'm, I'm happy. And yeah. what people think in the in the short term always changes anyway, because, you know, I'm yeah. a genius in the bull run. People hate me in the bear market. Whatever happens today doesn't really matter because I still have my exact same long-term plan. And... And also, you know, if someone's going to insult me, then I'm going to insult them back because I'm from Birmingham where the Peaky Blinders was filmed. And that's, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then what if you don't? If you don't fight back? I mean, that's probably even worse where you come from, right? Then now you're just, you know, you're weak and yeah. or they'll trample on you, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone always says, oh, you, should, you shouldn't lower yourself. And I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's, there's the obvious... <laughs> There is the obvious um, there's the obvious thing where when you respond to it as somebody that has a lot of Twitter followers yeah, compared to when they have 72 or 12 and then you respond to them, you're giving them a much bigger uh, microphone than they would have had otherwise. So they so. better win the argument. And up to now, I haven't seen many people win. It's so, but <laughs> like I said, man, I, I don't mind criticism. I don't mind anything. Any, you'll never see me even be disrespectful to anyone who is half normal to me online you know mm. i'm always i always like to chat to people i like to get like to know people i answer questions from anyone most of my twitter dms my telegram is just me chatting to people but yeah. someone if someone like thinks they can say something about your mom and stuff that's happened to me before it's like man you wouldn't if you went to my area and said stuff like that from thingy you wouldn't you wouldn't come out of it you can't say there's there, oh. there should be a, a general respect code from people of what you can say and what you can't say so 
you know, yeah, that, people that, like that's a problem in general these days, right? Like yeah. people think that they can just say anything. Like there's, oh yeah, you 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 can just say anything because you're you're safe behind a computer. And yeah, exactly. But it's you gross. There was a good interview with Kanye today. He was saying they were saying, um, do you, do you want to? There was because he put his his new t-shirts out in what they were saying was rubbish bins, Garbage. right? Did you see it? Yeah, his yeah. gap stuff. It was so good. And they're yeah. saying, Kanye, do you want to apologize to everyone? He's like, man, you guys should be apologizing to me. Because he was saying, he was saying, as soon as someone is creative and tries to do something different here, you make them apologize for it. And you make your media, the, as soon as you do something media you don't want them to do, you make them apologize. And obviously on a very much lower scale than Kanye, whenever someone has an argument with me online, I do something, they're like, you're unprofessional. You shouldn't be doing this. And it's like, man, that, if, if that's your go-to, that's not going to work with me because my version of professional isn't what your version of professional is that you've been brought up to, to do. My version of professional is just, is just being myself, standing my ground. And then who would you rather have go into a meeting with a record label or someone you have to negotiate with? Me or, you know, someone who's a politician online and it could go anyway, at least with me, you yeah. know, it goes down. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know why. Well, I mean, and especially in these creative fields, like nobody's looking for you in the music world to be, Oh, hello, sir. Or, yes. and, or like in all the creative I'm stuff. Working, mate, the funniest thing. <laughs> and you've got to understand, I, I have meetings like, man, I had a meeting with one of the biggest banks in the world, probably. And I have these meetings all the time. Right? It wasn't even through, it was through Ditto. And I'm no. on like, I'm on Zoom and there's a guy I kind of half know. And he says, how's your weekend? And I was like, man, I was doing this. And I was out the party and all this stuff. And I, you know, when you Zoom call and you scroll over and there's 10 people in the corner you didn't realize. <laughs> and there's, like, there's all these people watching. And, and still, I'm like, man, I don't really care. This is, this is how I am because all yeah. that they wanted to, they wanted to invest in Ditto, right? So right. they know what they're getting into. And I don't have to be... I, if you put yourself in a position, you, I don't really need anything from anyone. It's like those guys are trying to charm me into giving me money. So exactly, if you if you if you try and change stuff, it doesn't work anyway. The best thing you do is be yourself, but just work so hard that people you know like that have to be nice to you. Yeah, and be you simple. have especially when you have a track record of success. You know, they're they're you're not there. You know, and that was begging. hard. You, you imagine how that was for ten years doing digital music with. You know, living in a flat, and I've just done bouncy castles, and everyone giving me stick every day, and writing articles about how we don't know what we're doing. And so, like I said, someone from a major label emailed me the day we started the business, and was like, "Well, look, guys, you may, you know, it might make a nice Christmas present, but this won't ever be a business." I mean, he took time yeah. out of his day to email me that, and I was like, "Wow!" An email from this, this must be going well. Someone from a record label's emailed me, but it's, it's, <laughs> it doesn't really bother me because they're all. You know, the record label is one, the record music industry is one of the dirtiest ones there is. It's probably, I think politics is worse. I know a few people who work in politics and they just, the stories they have, but this is a tough industry, man. And, um, yeah. and like I said, I mean, I think, <laughs> well, and then also this is, I mean, for everybody listening, I'm, there's some good stuff in here, man. You said it earlier when you're, when you're trying to do something, you've got to have the goal set and you've got to work, always be working yeah, towards that, that, right? That's and right. whatever it, and if it's washing windows or whatever, make it towards, but you have to clearly, that's something that where I've, I feel like gone off track in the past is that I kind of knew where I wanted to go, but I wasn't like specific. I didn't know, like, I wasn't like super zoomed in. It was a little nebulous in some be, ways. But it's hard though, right? Sometimes you don't know what, I didn't not, I did not know I wanted to do digital distribution, right? But I didn't, right. for before that, my focus was always on artists, but then, you know, it can take a while to find out what you actually, what you actually want to do. 
But mm -hmm. if you don't know, you've still got to have a goal of getting to find that out, which is, you know, whatever that is. But a lot of people lose track, man, and they lose focus. And that could be anything from relationships to they get, they get a little bit of money, get carried away. <laughs> like me and my brother, when we did Ditto, man, we paid each other like 300 pounds a week for 10 years. All the money went back into the company. I was never rich. Even when I started, even when we had money coming in, we put it all back in. I never pretended to be rich. I never had designer clothes. I never went on holidays. I just mm -hmm. had everything coming in for a long-term goal, um, which is very, like, honestly, the more you read about Warren Buffett, he's such a cool guy. Like, he still lives in the same house he had, you know, his whole life. He was like, like he, classes every 10, he classes every $10 as like $1,000 because he knows he's going to 10X it over like 20 years. So he just hates spending money. He's given all his money away to charity before he's even dead, like pretty much 99% charity. Um, definitely if you're an investor, even if you're looking at markets, I would start by that book I, I posted today, The Intelligent Investor, is so good. Because mm -hmm. it kind of, once I read that, I think that's also what kind of made me a bit more chilled out about the online stuff. Because once you read and you understand the, the, the mentality of a retail investor who is a speculator. They're not an investor, right? They're a speculator because every day the price goes up and the price goes down and that's their emotional connection with what the market is. Mm -hmm. An investor is someone who buys a business and sits back and follows it over a period of time and they know it's going to go up like you are with Algorand, right? It's like you're not mm -hmm. going to follow it every day. It's great if it goes up, but we're here for a long period of time. But, you know, retail, most retail investors, their friend told them to buy a stock, which is the worst reason for buying anything. They buy it when the market goes up and then they shout at you on Twitter because it goes down, which just shows you they're not no, they yeah. don't really know what they're doing anyway. So once I kind of, I, once I read more about that, I kind of, I chilled out a bit anyway. Yeah, I mean, well, it, you know, it's true. Like some of my best decisions were basically exactly that. It's like, I remember watching, it was like a HBO documentary on Dr. Dre and it had Jimmy Iovine and they were all talking about Apple Music. And I'd already invested in Apple, but I was like, and Apple's a safe <laughs> thing. You, you, you put money in Apple, you wait 10 years, it grows. Yeah. It's just what it does. Yeah. But I just remember thinking, okay, Apple Music's going to work. This is, they're going to be very competitive. And that was smart. And then, or like when Facebook, and not that I'm a fan of Facebook, but like when that's down at 19, you're like, okay, well, this Zuckerberg guy knows yeah. what he's doing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like clearly, you know, so you, you have, and then you stick to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You gotta and, and Warren Buffett is a big fan of Facebook as well, because he you know. And, you know, his main thesis is buy a stock when it's undervalued and hold it for 10 years. And that, that's the city. The more you kind of read about his stuff, it's very simple. There's not many rules in there, really. Don't sell because the price has changed. He's got a really good example. He says that if you bought a house for like $150,000 and you're, it's, it's called the, some, the annoying neighbor, I think. And he said every day your neighbor comes over and offers you a price and it goes down by a thousand bucks every day. And after a few months, he gives you 75K. You're going to sell it then because the price keeps going down. Yeah. It's like, no, obviously you're not going to, but that's what people do, right? It's yeah, like they do. Around, I've got to sell, and it's like, they, yeah, because it's like this could go to zero. You know, it's like that's like why people sell bottoms, which is yeah, always amazing. You, when you should be buying, and they call it Mr. Market because it's like you kind of attach your emotions to the market, which is the wrong thing to do. Your your emotions should be on the business, not what the market is doing, because the market will, you know, go up and down and spit you out if you follow try and follow what the market's doing. Ignore the market, and find good businesses. Like Oculus. Yeah. There we go. That's a good one. Let's go back to there because I'm sure people are watching. We're like at, you know, almost at an hour and I haven't even touched on the roadmap. Okay. Well, so that's true, but there's a couple of things that I do want to ask. What are some of the concerns? I want to make sure I get some of the concerns from the community that I've read out and ask you about it. Yes. Yeah, sure. So, uh, 
So uh, previous like um, royalties, like Big Zoo, and um, I, I think there's another one even before that. Yeah. Uh, well, those those royalties, the royalties being distributed, I think on the roadmap that's coming soon. But I'll, you know, from you, I'd like to hear from you. Yeah, man. So the Big Zoo ones, everyone was. I can't really talk too much about that because of SEC stuff. But everyone's been contacted about okay. that, and that, there's no problems with that. The royalty okay. website, mate. I can show you after. It looks amazing. We actually finished it months and months ago, but. Mm -hmm. Because of the SEC stuff. See, we're going to two different systems now, right? The system that we're doing, which is a non-US system that's launching soon, will have mm -hmm. pretty much the same royalty website, but it's a completely dis different distribution process because you don't have to go through the SEC. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing and it's smooth. The process before, for the little pump stuff and the other ones, it has to go through all these SEC regulations. So it's yeah. not the tech that we've been building. It's a problem about the regulations. But I would say that we're doing phase one week next week very shortly after that, we'll be announcing a date for the royalties thing, royalties um, distribution, okay. which is hugely hugely exciting, man. Because that's that's the, that's the pretty much two thirds of the whole platform is out then. So, um, mate, I, I know it, I, I can understand people are annoyed, man, because it's been a long time. But also, you know, you're investing in a startup and you're here with us through the problems, and that's you know that's why you you invest in a startup and you get better returns rather than if you go investing with Apple because it's you know you have to kind of you have to put up with these things. So, you know, again, I guess thanks to all the people that have done that. And the ones that have known, don't worry, we'll, we will sort it out for you. You're going to sort it out. And then the, um, what was I going to say? So, okay, phase one. Phase one is next month or next Monday, I think. And that is, we're actually going to see, we're going to have the Opulus app. There's going to be a dashboard. They're staking. Or what is in phase one? Yeah, so it's it's basically the whole staking platform. But it's not just a staking platform, really. It's a ticketing system. So that every day, you state your Oculus on there, you get various different tickets. The tickets are then available to go and apply for different sales. Um, you'll get your APY and the Oculus token. And it's pretty much the backbone of everything that we'll be doing with the sales as they come out. So it's a really, really important um, piece of development. I mean, that's another thing, man. When people ask about why stuff takes so long, if we'd have gone to Ethereum, you know, we would have had that probably in about three weeks. We built the whole thing from scratch in Algorand, which is teal, which is <laughs> difficult. Which is yeah. I don't know, but but it's done now. You know, it's finished, mm -hmm. and it's the first kind of you know tech that does that properly, and we'll probably open source it eventually so everyone can use it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, man, I'm, I'm, it, it looks it looks so good, and I you know I, I, I see this stuff every day, so I'm but I think once people see it, they're going to be very pleased. Okay, so you um, you had mentioned it that you're you're moving towards um, the non USA. Uh, product because of all the hurdles and the hoops and all the difficulty with the sec and you know once that's clear but you're still working on a yeah, u.s compatible product yeah but man, it's like it's not even the sec stuff it's like they take so much money in tax from your releases it's like every we have to we have to individually take people's tax out when we pay them for each mm -hmm. release that was another thing that took forever they take right. a portion of the tax out you have to register the llc which has to pay tax there are so many things on that structure that we have to work through. And what I don't want to do is sit here for the next two years or it won't be that long, but even for another year without any products out. So yeah. created this whole system that runs the OVOLT, the MFTs. It's a whole economic structure for what we're doing that we've been working on for the last, you know, probably six months now. And that will be coming out really soon and we'll be able to operate multiple sales at the same time, all in crypto. Okay, tell me. So tell me about this Opulus Royalty Vault. How does that work? Okay. The royalty vault works much like an MFT drop would, so it will pay. But in, but whereas an MFT will pay, you know, whatever it makes, the overall will guarantee a certain percentage each month. And the way you've guaranteed that, we've been buying catalog 
that has a track record over you know decades that we know it's right. going to earn a certain amount. <clears throat> and we'll also be topping that up with Oculus for special perks and rewards. And it will give you a very stable staking for USDC and you will get a fixed amount of returns. And if you look at all the stuff happening at the moment, it's actually really hard to get a good um, return on your crypto at the moment because all the stake, all the stable coin staking has gone down drastically. You know, yeah. BTC staking is like, a, you know, a couple of percent. What this will do is give you really good rewards and it's also asset backed, so it's completely safe. So we've been attracting a lot of institutional money that will be investing. Um, we've completed like the first phase financially and um, yeah, it's going to be sick. And that's something we can just kind of build and build and build it to. It's like a hundred million, one billion dollar fund that will just keep and printing good returns for people safely. Right. So, so it's going to be, so you're going to acquire a bunch of music that you see like a track record of stable returns. And then the OVALT token, which will be available on DEXs and for anybody to, to buy? It'll be available probably our own DEX and maybe one mm -hmm. of the Outland DEX. And we're speaking to all of them at the moment. It's not really a token that's tradable, right? It's a token that you buy it for a certain price, it'll stay the same price, and then you get you get guaranteed X amount of returns. So it's not got like it. a token that will go up and down in value. It's a token that will stay around the same price. Um, and like I said, it's all. We, I hope I hope we release a white paper soon. Mm -hmm. For now, I keep saying it's not a white paper because it's only 15 pages, but it's a really good economic paper for how the whole thing works. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's pretty exciting, man. Like no one's doing yeah. anything like at the moment with an actual asset as a few people have tried to you know do property but they don't understand how big in music copyrights are most music copyright funds are in the billions already and everyone from wells fargo to the family offices are all buying music copyrights we have a guy called jay moore who previously ran a 1.2 billion dollar fund for one of my one of Ditto's competitors cobalt and he was in charge of acquiring content so he's mm -hmm. been he's been getting content for us already i also have ditto so i can get you know new stuff at a good price and we can look out for stuff there um and yeah man and we've had support from Algorand on it as well which is you know like i said amazing yeah and that they they supported they supported in the beginning and they're also supporting this uh royalty vault too huh the o vault maybe they will Hooper, maybe, maybe they, they will. will maybe they will um and then uh oh i you tell you t uh, you were teasing on twitter that you might announce a new artist next week right did you say that, that maybe i was <laughs> And then there's also, there's, oh, um, you know, yeah. I think like you said, I think what we're, we're going to do next week is a phase one week where we do something cool every day because the Dark. community loves that stuff and we love it. So we have a bunch of stuff we want to kind of talk about next week. So I think we'll probably do something different every day for the community. Cool. Get them all excited. Yeah. yeah. And then right. Tyga, don't you, and Tyga's coming too, right? From the, the more yeah. traditional or the securitized side. Yeah, yeah, man. And that's going to be a big, big song because Tyga has yeah. a new album coming out and, it's going to be part of that and it's going to be a big song. But as I we saw the... Go ahead, sorry. What? You're waiting for the Macarena not... again? <laughs> no, I was going to... I was going to say, I saw recently, he was in the tabloids, uh, that the oh. rumor was he's dating Selena Gomez. So whoever's oh, in charge of them, yeah, whoever's in charge of them is getting him in the news before his album comes out. So that's a good thing. Man, he's right. good at doing... I mean, he dated Kylie Jenner for a few years. He's, he's very good at... Yeah. He's usually news from it terrible, so I'm glad it was positive this time, I think. But um, my Tiger's chill, man. He's like, he's got a kid, and he's mostly he he's a very he's a very very good business person. And I think yeah. um, he's an A-list star, man. He's got you know however many followers on Instagram. So that's another thing that will just push us. I haven't even been thinking about it to be honest, but you know I'm obviously really excited to see that sale finally, and it'll be a yeah. really really good song. Yeah, and then um, I saw that there's MFT staking, right? 
So what is what does that look like? So if you have one of these MFTs, you're going to stake it. You're going to be able to earn some sort of yield by holding on to it. So look, right? It it all it is is basically to kind of we still want to go in with some kind of security guidelines, right? So you have as a, you have to kind of do something to get your money. And all it is is you state your MFT and then it'll get your royalties for the MFT. You just can, mm-hmm. you can just basically you know you have it on the platform. You move and you move it to a certain area and you get paid. That's all it is really. But it's very compliant. With a lot of regulation right. so Got it's it. nothing extra to be honest it's just um part of the platform part of the platform and then um i'm sure people are wondering you know they hear ovalt token and they're like okay well wait so how does the opal or the opal token opal or opal we've talked about this opal. before opal. opal yeah uh the opal token what's the what's the exist what's the utility of the opal token going to be yeah i mean look don't get don't get distracted by the ovalt token because that that is really not a token that's going to be traded we won't right. really have any volume on it that is a token to be staked that you buy from mm-hmm. the Oval. Now, if you look at any of the platforms like Curve Finance or any others, the Oculus token will be used within that to get better rewards for the Oval token, right? So if you have a Oculus token, you'll get better rewards. You can get paid out on Oculus token. But as we launch the you know, MFT site, that's really what the backbone of the token is. So we'll be launching some sales, which will be very small sales, which you can only get in if you pre-stake. And the only way to kind of get into those sales is to pre-buy with your Oculus token. So any mm-hmm. Oculus holders are gonna get first into all of the sales that are coming out. And like I said, the sales that I'm looking at now, we obviously have Tiger, but I'm also looking for stuff that's gonna make big financial returns. Mm-hmm. So the Oculus token is mostly used the same as any token would be for you know, a launch pad, as in you can stake it, you get a return, you'll be getting different perks on it. And also it entitles you to get to all of the sales and then, you know, everything that we do, man, you know, we're basing it around and we, we're continually working on a way of making sure that it's, you know, part of what the ecosystem does. Right. Even on the Oval, even on the Oval you have to buy a percentage of Opal tokens to get in there. So all the people that put a lot of money in, you know, say someone's putting 200K into the Oval, which, you know, we have big investors that we're doing that. They still have to buy a certain amount of Oculus tokens to, to be able to do that as well. Oh, cool. Well, that's good. And then, I mean, I haven't even mentioned it, but like the Opal token, like, uh, I think since we did that, Twitter space has doubled. I mean, it's up 100% in a couple of weeks. Mate, sex sells. That's what it is, right? It's, it's you. It's that shirt. It's all me, right? It's this, it's this like orange blue shirt. After this, it's 40 cents. It's like more than double after the third. This guy's got fucking flowers. Um, I mean, all right, man. So, okay. So you have phase one coming, then um, it's going to be more and more. And then you're going to get to that. We talked about it earlier, the the loans for musicians. And I imagine as you as you transition to this, these next phases, you know, it's been like Tyga, Little Pump, um, you know, some more um, recognizable names. But I think the original vision for Opulus is to give people, um, give musicians um, a platform to, you know, even independent like you like ditto like independent yeah. artists giving them a place to get funding to have a you know to launch their music so are we're going to see more and more undiscovered talent um launching 100 because like you said man we, we you can do big names all day of the week because everyone loves you writing a check for them but that's not what i want to do the last phase of the whole thing will be artists be able to upload their own music set their own page make their own SN- with <clears throat> mfts make their own nfts and conduct the sales themselves and if you're asking about the token, it's like, you know, a big part of that will be, obviously there will be, at some point there'll be a cost involved for each artist and that will all be based on the token. So my my vision is to be able to allow every artist to be able to go and, you know, do this for themselves without us doing it. And that's what we're building, man. And, you know, mm-hmm. we are getting there every day. We're getting there. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. 
And you're you're in Algorand. Are you a governor? Do you um are you an Algorand governor? Mate, I don't. I, I'm not a technical guy. I'm not a governor. It took me <laughs> four months to be able to set the wallet up. I'm not. That's not the guy you want on your side in any kind of technical thing. Anything physical. <laughs> like I'm not. A like, I'm not, not doing that. Okay. So, so your your input on what everybody's um uh arguing about about the proposals what is about, what are they arguing uh, about. They're arguing What's about um you know uh Al- the foundation and their proposals to incentivize DeFi, and so there's you know whatever it doesn't matter. It's it, that's what governors. You just got to go and argue. Maybe we will be quite good at it. Maybe see, yeah, you'd probably be a great governor. <laughs> you just got to go in and argue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so is there anything? Crypto is funny, eh? It's so yeah. funny. It's oh, just man. like it's it's such another world. I, I yeah, I I try I try very hard not to argue. I really try. I'm a argumentative. I I that is sort of my nature. But I listen to you. And it makes me second guess my approach here because it's right. like also inspired some hatred to come out. Of- <laughs> <laughs> you just see me all of a sudden Cooper's unhinged. Be like, I'll go fuck off. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear your bullshit. Yeah. It's a, I, it's a, I always think, man, I think, man, I just, just step away for 10 minutes, then reply. And I'm like, nah, don't, you don't lose this energy. Let's just, let's just go. Don't lose it. this energy. Yeah, that's all my creative is, juice. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing is waking, like, you know, having an argument before you go to bed and you wake up and I'm like, oh, I was like, oh. you know, like, man, I'll, and you remember what's happened. You've got to open your Twitter up uh, and see, see how it's all going. But uh, it doesn't matter. I know. You're like, I know you, you have an argument on Twitter and maybe your argument was after a few drinks and then you go to bed and then you're like, oh shit. What did I, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully all I said is the, are the things that I remember. Please let everything I said be what I remember. <laughs> you're like, oh, 20 plus. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, right? You know, we're all living our lives. And I think well, on our deathbed, you'll be glad of the things you said than you didn't. So it's yeah. as long as you don't, I mean, I actually don't take it all very, it may seem like I do, but it doesn't, I don't take it very seriously. And that's why upsetting people have been, Whatever it doesn't really bother me if, if a bunch of people are upset with me. It's like, yeah, pretty funny, really. Do you it's have? Funny. Do you do you look back at anything? I, I mean, maybe in general, not it doesn't have to necessarily be Twitter, but do you have any like particular regrets, or is that are you somebody that's like very stern about like not having regrets? No, no regrets. I'll tell you something. This one time, everyone always. My brother's worse than me. He had to come off Twitter because he doesn't have any humor, so he'll just be like. Right. You'll just say the worst thing imaginable without any like Matt. <laughs> Stop! Everyone always like they always they always call him at the time like Lee's gonna get us in. There was this one, there was this one time in um, there was there was this one guy and he'd just been constantly writing stuff about me and Ditto and he just wouldn't leave us alone, right? And we we and my mate were at a stand at this music conference, and he turns up. This guy does, and I'm just sitting there. Have you seen that meme where the guy's fist is just like? and someone someone like what are we going to do and they're like we'll call matt matt will know what to do and they call matt up and they're like man that guy's here i think he's going to go and punch him and matt's like hold on and matt talks to me goes lee make sure they film it goodbye (laughs) (laughs) it all kicked off man so i guess i don't really have any regrets no i get you know there's there's no point we get like i don't actually take it very seriously man it's um it's all just, it's like wrestling, right? That's all it is on Twitter. It's just wrestling. I don't yeah. think you're ever going to lose any sleep over it. But what, Good. you know, what I will say is for everyone listening to this, 
you know, if you, if you don't like me, it, like that doesn't bother me. It doesn't really matter. But what I would suggest is just really do some research on what you're investing in. Because if you were investing in things and you really knew about them and you understood the markets and macro environments and how the world, you know, how everything is trading worldwide, then you wouldn't be online, you know, shouting at founders or, or even projects. You'd be, you'd be either comfortable or you wouldn't have invested in it. So I'd say to anyone who's, you know, thinking of going online tomorrow, you know, complaining about Algorand or anything, go mm -hmm. and just research, you know, what Algorand are doing and you'll make yourself feel better. Go and read a book on investing and you'll make, you feel, you make yourself feel better. Because, you know, I, I was ignorant to it a lot before. I definitely didn't read much on investing when I got into crypto, but now I have. And I can kind of understand the two mindsets that are competing each other. I understand why only, you know, a few percent of the market are the ones that make money. And mm -hmm. if you, like I said, that book, The Intelligent Investor, it was Warren Buffett's favorite ever book. And Warren Buffett actually ended up studying under the guy for like four years. And it's, it's like his all-time hero. And that's, you know, Warren Buffett is the best investor of all time. But he's a very slow investor. He's not looking for 100x returns. He's looking for 20% a year over a long yeah. period of time. So. Yeah have a good 10 year plan, work out what your goals are. And once you're, you know, once you know what those are, be the best at it, man. You don't see NBA players say, I want to be in the NBA and then go and spend an hour a week reading about it. Really go out there and make sure you're the best at it. Cause you have an opportunity here to be hugely successful and wealthy. If you back the right projects and you're patient, don't let, you know, not liking me or like liking someone else cloud your judgment in all that. When you could be taking an opportunity here to, you know, buy your family another house or whatever. So, right. well, yeah, know, I mean, separating, separating you from your personality, you know, or whatever, it, it maybe somebody doesn't like the way you respond. Yeah, exactly, but then, at the same time, you could also uh, look at your track record, you know, and not just dwell on your uh, personality, kind of look at where you, <laughs> which I, wait, by the way, which I, um, which I find very charmingly. So don't you worry, but look, everyone, you remember when everyone was shorting Tesla, right? And everyone, you know, look at the media now. We hate Elon Musk. We don't like him. It's like, man, even if you don't like him, you like your family and you like to buy them stuff. So why don't you just do some research on Tesla and the, the market, you know, the stuff they have coming out and how it's yeah. been performing. I mean, you know, Tesla is still a very risky stock. Warren Buffett doesn't invest in Tesla. He, mm -hmm. Warren Buffett's biggest investments are still like Coca-Cola and American Express and stuff like that because he knows he's going to get a significant return. But obviously crypto is very different and it can't be compared to that. But you know, he was getting heat off everyone and the stock kept going up. So I have to come out and do a job. I don't want to really be on Twitter. I'd be happy living a quiet life. Like, you know, most of the founders do in crypto. And I think that's another thing you've got to understand. At least I'm here every day. And, you know, whether you insult me or you love me, I'm going to be here. And I'm going to, because I believe in what I'm doing. And I know that in a few years time, it'll be out. And, you know, I believe in it. I'm not going to hide in bad market conditions anyway, even though, you know, some days I'd like to, I, I don't. So yeah, you don't. Yeah, you, so, you continue to defend. And I will say there was a time there was a time um, a while ago when when, you, you know, maybe the the Twitter combat was at a, at a high. And I was like, man, are is the Algorand community going to, you know, make Lee just be like, you know what, go fuck off. I'm leaving. You know what? You know? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, honestly, within that period of time, I was getting seven figure offers from other companies to move to them. And not just offers of money, offers of like, you can build that here in a month. Yeah. Right? And I'm getting everyone moaning me every day about this and that. And you don't like Algorand and all this stuff. But like I said, I'm never going to move. And I won't move because David Garcia and those guys invested in me when the market wasn't huge. And 
and I will always have faith in those guys and they're always there for me. So that's it. You know, you could offer me as much money you want. I would, I would never, I'd never move whatever the, whatever the community does. So, <laughs> so, so even, even during that time. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. Well, I mean, we got to get to Cypher in Brazil and, uh, you know, I'll crash at your place. I wish I could go to the, to the one coming up, but I can't leave Brazil for a few months until I get my visa sorted. But maybe we'll do, um, maybe we'll do a competition since one out there. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, Lee. Well, I appreciate you just letting me go through all of the things and being so cool and having a drink and yeah, man. Definitely. There was a few minutes in there where I was a little bit buzzed. I'm glad it stayed on one. So are you going to, is it, what time is it? Where are, what time is it right now? It's 7.30 here now. I haven't drunk yeah. quite a long time, but um, probably not tonight. Got a nice little dinner now. And then, okay. um, then back to work. Yeah, this was, a, this was a long one. Thanks for uh, hanging out for, you know, nearly an hour and a half. So cool. Probably more. All right, bro. Well, yeah. yeah. Thanks very much, man. Uh, All right, man. Take care, our grand people. All right. Appreciate it, bro. <laughs> yeah, <bye. laughs>